back to Sleep for Performance Radio. Today is Sleep Science Audio Abstract Review number three. So today we're going to deal with a paper that was authored by yours truly, myself, Ian Dunigan. Okay, so the reason I picked this paper is that recently, uh, over the last sort of four to eight weeks in business settings or sports settings or even just talking to people or being on other podcasts or other given lectures, people are asking a lot about wrist-worn technology. How good are these devices? Are they really good? And some people think they're really crap. Other people think they're the, the gold standard. But then also as well, people are talking about apps as well and how apps measure sleep. So I want to talk about a paper that I had published um, earlier on this year in the journal Sleep and Biological Rhythms. Um, And this paper was titled Laboratory and Home Comparison of Wrist Activity Monitors and Polysomnography in Middle-Aged Adults. So when we look at wrist activity monitors, some activity monitors are quite different than others, right? And so a lot of the ones that are used in clinical sleep medicine um, are ones that require the use of a diary as well. So someone will wear the device, but then they'll have to kind of keep a sleep and maybe worker training diary. And some of the data from the diary will be inputted to an algorithm that will, or an online system, that will drag the data from the device, such as the, the watch, and then will correlate that. You'd have to put in some kind of subjective variables that people reported such as what time they went to bed how they felt and so on that will all go into it or when they were awake when they were at work and then you will score the data from that now that's quite cumbersome to do can be quite lengthy and requires a trained scientist or somebody in that area who knows how to score actigraphy data whereas other devices have these automated proprietary algorithms and probably the most popular one that people know is like the fitbit device okay Now, those two types of devices, for example, an automated one and one that requires input, are not the gold standard. The gold standard is polysomnography. This is when you see somebody lying in a laboratory with all these electrodes over their head and their body, and they sleep in a lab overnight, and someone is monitoring them, looking at different um, measures coming off the EEG, the EMG, the ECG, all these different things that come off. And we use all that then against a set of criteria to score that sleep or even look for the prevalence of sleep disorders. So that being said, in this paper, what we tried to do with this experiment, we wanted to look at the validity of one of these proprietary scoring algorithms um, with one of these wrist-worn devices against a normal actigraph device or wrist-worn technology and against polysomnography. So, So we had three different measures on the people. So... We recruited 50 people as part of an overall RAN study at the University of Western Australia. And so these people were in their mid-50s, so they were an older population. Most of them did work as well. These, this cohort was the parents of the RAN study, a big longitudinal health study that goes on here in Australia. So they spent one night in the laboratory. So we had 50 people coming to the laboratory. So that's quite a lot of people going to, to spend one night in a lab. When they came in, they were... Um, hooked up to the PSG, the overnight polysomnography, takes about an hour to set somebody up. They were given an actigraph device. So the actigraph is a trademark device. So the actigraph, that's a specific brand of its own. And they were also given the ready band from Fatigue Science, which you may have heard me talk about on the podcast before, um, 
which I've used in mine in elite sports and so on. Now, the ready band has an automated scoring algorithm, so it requires no input from the person and it requires no use of a sleep diary, so it's completely automated. So people wore the ready band, the actograph, and were hooked up overnight to the polysonography. Then when they were sort of released from the lab and let go free into the wild world of Australia, they wore two devices. They wore the actograph device and the ready band device, and they wore those for an additional seven nights. So we had one night in the lab, seven nights out of home uh, by 50 people, 50 times eight, a ton of nights. Okay. So I got about 400 nights there in case you're calculating, thinking what went on. So the reason we did this is because we wanted to know the validity of these and how they could be used in elite sports uh, or in mining and so on. Now, we know anecdotally from feedback that they've been used in police. Physicians have been using them, mining, shift workers, forestry have been using them, elite athletes um, such as rugby, judo, the U.S. National Football League, Seattle Seahawks and so on have been using these devices. And they do give you this nice longitudinal data set that you can use then to kind of characterize sleep quantity and quality of people in these different groups. So it's quite nice to have this and have it all automated. But we were really interested to see how good it actually was. So we give everybody the devices, as I said, they, got, they overwent, uh, underwent the polysomnography, had the activity monitors on as well. We used a combination of linear mixed modeling, and we also used Blant-Altman plots, which is a specific type of statistical, I suppose, um, analysis that's used to determine the agreement between devices for each sleep measure. Um, and it looks at the magnitude of the differences between the, the devices. Now, it's very hard to explain those graphs unless you're actually looking at them. But basically, we looked at the ready band versus the PSG, the ready band versus the actigraph, and then the actigraph versus the PSG. Once we had the data, we might as well have looked at that. And then we lined them all up in box plots as well to see what was going on. And so we looked at a range of measures um, across the night, not just in the laboratory, but at home as well. And so it's quite interesting to see the difference. One of the measures that we looked at here was sleep latency, the time it takes to fall asleep. So remembering that the actigraph has some self-reported uh, measures. In this case, the actigraph was actually a self-reported measure of sleep latency. So people were self-reporting that with the diary. The ready band was automating the scoring of it and PSG being the gold standard. So we found from this one that with the actigraph, people significantly underestimated the amount of time it took to fall asleep, whereas the ready band overscored or overestimated the amount of time it took to fall asleep. And so we found discrepancy with those measures in terms of sleep latency or the time to fall asleep. When we looked at time at sleep onset, the time they actually fell asleep, we found that the PSG, the actograph and the ready band fairly lined up, you know, fairly well across the board. So we have confidence in that measure. We then found that um, when we looked at measures overnight for such a sleep duration, we found that both the actograph and the ready band overestimated, but they actually behaved nearly identical across those, um, that night in the lab and at home as well. So very similar here with the measures between the both of them. Although there was a widespread of sleep duration overnight with the polysomnography. And that's to be expected because people don't really sleep that well in a lab. And really the whole goal of polysomnography is to really identify for sleep disorders. It's not really a method to assess someone's normal sleep. Uh, wake after sleep onset, this is the amount of wakenings that happened at an overnight during that sleep period or that time allocated for sleep or time in bed. We found that there's a substantial amount of wake after sleep onset or was a, um, with the night in the laboratory 
that was picked up with PSG. Actograph picked up um, some as well, and Readyband picking up the least. So the Readyband and the Actograph really weren't that great at picking up Wazza. Um, what they were really good at though is picking up the time awake. So uh, the time the athletes are, uh, sorry, the time the people woke up um, the next morning. So you got PSG, Actograph, and Readyband virtually identical across the board. I think there was only a minute difference between them. So when we looked at look at these, um, we can we can see that we got confidence in some of these measures, such as uh, sleep duration, time awake, and even um, uh, time at sleep onset. Um, the measures of sleep quality, which are derived from those, um, were also affected as well. But the ready band was fairly fairly good at assessing sleep quality or sleep efficiency overall, and was probably closest to PSG um, compared to the Actograph. So a limitation of this study was the inability to access the information regarding the proprietary algorithm. So we don't actually know what's going on inside these devices or how they're scoring them. But this is the same when we look at Fitbit, Jawbone, Garmin, any of those other sort of devices. And so, you know, you're never going to get access to this unless you work for the company. And if you do, then you're probably not even going to be able to share that broadly anyway. So... You know, uh, the main thing here is what we're looking at is the agreement between these. So using the linear mixed modeling and the bland Altman plots. So in summary, really, for this paper, what we found was that the ready band behaves nearly the very same as an actograph device, which has been validated prior to be used in assessing longitudinal sleep. And so we can we can kind of say from this then that the ready band, if you're going to use it in a medical setting or even in a field setting, is just as good and uh, can be used with no problem. And that actually gives you a big benefit there because you negate the use or the need of a sleep diary. Now, in saying that for both ready band and actograph, we would say exercise some caution when you're interpreting measures of sleep latency and sleep efficiency and wake after sleep onset because these were quite variable across the board. Um, so yeah, so these this ready band device can be used. So not all devices are created equally, and um, yeah, this this paper is really um, really fundamental in in helping you make a decision as a business or an athletic staff because this was the very first peer reviewed uh, publication looking at the ready band, although the company had done some internal validation and I think in the military as well, but there had never been peer reviewed open publication on this. So this is a this is a very you know, it's a it's a very foundation type paper for business decisions going forward or use in research. So that, that paper was titled Laboratory and Home Comparison of Wrist Activity Monitors and Polysomnography in Middle-Aged Adults. And that's Sleep and Biological Rhythms. So I'll put the link to this in the show notes as well. Now, I do want to just touch on something else as well, which is apps, you know. A lot of people are talking about apps at the moment, how apps assess sleep. You know, I question that and I'd, I'd urge you to question those apps as well. You're lying in bed at nighttime, you have a phone beside you. How is that phone actually measuring your movement? How is that phone measuring your breathing? How is that phone measuring what's going on? And how does it differentiate between your movement and a partner's movement? Or indeed, if you have a pet in the room, such as a dog, how is it differentiating um, between any of these sort of um, movement patterns that you may be having overnight? Or how does it differentiate when you're asleep and when you're awake, maybe going to the bathroom and so on. So, you know, a 99 cents app or a free app probably ain't going to be the best thing uh, to measure sleep. So <laughs> I would definitely exercise caution when using those. Uh, I, I just wouldn't even bother, you know, to be honest with you. A lot of these apps are, you know, are developed off kind of some generic science about 
sleep cycles and so on. And so when they're telling you light and deep sleep or you're in REM and so on, it, it, it's just not possible. They just can't do it. Unless at the very minimum, they need to be measuring your heart rate variability to be doing those. So, um, yeah, take those apps with a pinch of salt, uh, everybody. Um, if you do have any questions, please email me at iandunican at sleepforperformance.com.au. Follow me on Twitter at sleepforperform or head over to sleepforperformance.com.au. Until next week for uh, Sleep Science Audio Abstract Review 4, I'll see you then. Uh, in the meantime, we're busy recording season three and we've got some great guests coming to you. All right, sleep well. <laughs>